I just want to speak about something on a real practical note. Um, and just a praise report. We had, also we want to continue to pray for Cheryl's mom, who is doing better, but she still, you know, she still has a ways to go. Pray for her and the family. Um, and uh, any other prayer requests, please let us know. But we want to keep her in prayer. She's so young. She's 49. And, uh, but she's doing better. We said the week before last how they just caught it right at the right moment, you know, and it could have been much more serious. But it's so amazing to see how God is so on top of things. You know, there's never an if. What if? Sometimes we wonder, like, what if? You know, what if, what if that pastor wasn't there to find that little girl? Or what if, you know, we didn't catch that, you know, that condition that Cheryl's mom had? But there's never a what if in the, king, in the plan, plan of God. It's always God's in control. And um, one praise report is, is that uh, we got a really beautiful gift. And uh, we were talking about getting some sound equipment and just helping getting some things rolling. And um, we just had someone out of the blue just send us a beautiful gift. And that's just so awesome and so encouraging. I also had two people contact me these past two weeks. Uh, two people that have heard about what we're doing here in the area, and uh, they're, they're, they're believers, and they want to kind of check us out. They want to call me, and they want to just find out what's happening, and they want to jump in on the uh, launch team. So I'm so encouraged to hear that, that God's, God is really faithful in his plan towards us. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 um, this is something that we spoke about the last day of the conference in Ukraine, that sometimes, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I've, you know how you talk to people and sometimes you hear people say the same thing, like, you know, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. Well, I had like several people over the last two, three weeks tell me that they are struggling with emptiness, you know, with emptiness. And this spiritual emptiness, and even though they're good Christians and they're not living, you know, they're not living in sin, but they're just people that feel like they don't sense God's presence. You ever been in a place like that where you don't sense God's presence and you just feel empty? And we all face this feeling of emptiness at times when we don't feel God's presence or the joy of our salvation. And we need to remember that this is really part of the journey into God's fullness. Last, um, was it two Sundays ago? We talked about doubt, right? And how doubt is a bridge from where we are today to where we are going with God. And God meets us in our doubt and doesn't criticize our doubt. But, he, but we can bring our doubt to God and God gives us answers. And so doubt is really a bridge that goes from where we are today into maturity. But same thing with sometimes with the sense of emptiness. And when Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 44, he was describing a situation. He said, let these sayings sink deep down into your ears. And what he was saying was, is that sometimes in our, because of certain circumstances, and we'll talk, talk about that in a minute, sometimes we feel God's God's presence is not there, and we feel um, disconnected from God. And that might be because God wants us to go from just emotions 
to a place where we are starting to function faith. God wants to take us out of the realm of an emotional Christianity, an emotional sense of God's presence, and bring us into a place where our faith goes deeper than our emotions, deeper than our soul. Because there's something deeper than our soul, and that's our spirit, right? Anything that gets lodged in our spirit is something that's going to be there forever. And it's something that you learn that goes into your spirit. It's something you'll never forget. And so God wants to take us out of this um, experience sometimes that we have in our emotions and bring it to a place where the words of Christ in Luke 9, verse 44, sink down into our ears. It goes into our ear and just kind of sinks down into our spirit. This emptiness is something that if we are not careful with, we can just continue our Christian life with this emptiness and begin to function on empty. You ever do that? Maybe this week you've been feeling that you've been running on empty spiritually. And uh, you're giving, 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 and there's like no, there's no water in the cup. And uh, so when we are in that kind of a place where we might be a parent or at work or wherever we're at with our family, and we're pouring out and we're pouring out, and there's just nothing being poured back in, then we can burn out. And there are so many Christian um, pastors and servants and uh, people that are in the Christian life that burn out because they don't know how to get filled again. They don't know how to get filled with that fullness of God. Some people describe it as some kind of an experience, some kind of a charismatic experience. Uh, That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about where the words of Christ and we have a personal meeting with God in our crisis. Because God causes crises in our life so that we can meet God in the midst of that crisis. Sometimes we say, God, deliver me from this crisis. But actually God has allowed it to happen so that we could go deeper with God and discover something about God that we never knew before. And it's very painful But when we come through that crisis and we find out when we're on the other end of it, we discover that I needed that in my life to discover something deeper about God's faithfulness, an aspect of God's nature that I didn't know before. And there are different reasons why we might experience this sense of emptiness. And I counted maybe five of them. And I want to just mention these to you and then how we can deal with that sense of emptiness and not get discouraged, not get dis- disoriented, not get distracted. Number one, you know, Job had such an experience in his life where he experienced emptiness. This was in Job chapter 30, verse 16, where Job said, my soul is poured out. Like he was struggling with a very traumatic situation. Remember Job when his entire family was, uh, was taken from him, all of his cattle Everything was taken from him except for his wife and his life. Job in Job 30 verse 16 said that I've had so much traumatic experience that my soul is empty. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you've just had so much stress in your life that you just feel empty? Okay, that happens. Number two, uh, Paul said this. He experienced this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. He said that because of the intensity of ministry, because of the intensity of what he was doing, because of the needs uh, of the people that he was ministering to, he began to feel empty because of just intensity of ministry. 
Uh, number three, it could also be because of betrayal. It could be, be become it be could it could be something from betrayal. In Second Timothy four verse sixteen and seventeen, um, maybe some of us have not experienced this yet, but deep betrayal betrayal when we have someone's trust and that trust is broken because of whatever reason we may be so shocked and so surprised by the betrayal that we are in a state of numbness you ever been that way i've experienced that um, where you are absolutely just so shocked that this has happened that you were pledged trust and it was broken and it leaves us in a place of just spiritual numbness. We're empty. Because we gave everything maybe into that uh, uh, relationship or that circumstance or that situation. And it's gone. It's been ripped from us. And so now we're in a state of emptiness. You ever feel that way? Where life is... I felt that way where you just feel like you just... Your whole body feels like it's just... I don't know. You just feel so numb. And you're just sitting there like you're in a trance. You're just like, I can't even believe this. <laughs> it's not funny, but... Number four, emptiness can be a symptom of just loneliness because we just neglect to nourish our soul. You know, when we, when we neglect daily bread and when we neglect um, that uh, daily cross that Jesus calls us to take up, where we die to our flesh and we walk in Him in His plan, uh, when we neglect that, then we can start to function where our spirit is not being built up and it's not being filled with God and it's not being filled with his mind and filled with his promises. And this can cause an emptiness. It, cause, it can cause a sense of emptiness. And then number five, the fifth one is uh, carelessness or sin always leads to emptiness in Ephesians 4, verse 17. You know, the world, I just, you know, when you travel, you just see so much. The world looks like it just offers so much, doesn't it? You know, especially if you grew up in a Christian home, you look at the world and you're like, wow, I am missing a lot. You know, and you're not missing anything. Believe me, you are not. The world, this is the world, it's like the world is like a bad car salesman. You know, you look at a nice looking car, you buy the car, and you realize you got a lemon. That's so bad. You know, it's just so disappointing. It's so, you know, you look at it like, wow, I got what I wanted, but then you have all this sorrow and regret attached to it. The world, believe me, believe me, believe me. And believe what the book of Proverbs says, that the world is a scam. It's a huge scam. When the world says, take this and enjoy it, uh, you'll be full, you'll be happy, you'll never want anything ever again. It's like, you will be so disappointed. Because the world is rotten at coming through with the guarantee of really being enjoyed. How many know what I'm talking about? You go into some kind of a thing, you go into some kind of experience, and you wind up like, you're so angry at yourself because you realize, you know what, I can't believe I believed what the world had to say about it. Whenever we take the world's proposition versus God's proposition, we're always going to be finding ourselves so disappointed. We're going to be so upset. We're going to be so angry. And we're going to be so empty. And that's what happens. Emptiness comes because we just get careless, you know. We just get careless. And I, I, don't, mean to, I don't mean to say this to criticize us. I'm just saying that when, you know, in the summertime, we can so easily get into it. You know, we were at this camp in Odessa, and everybody's at the beach having a blast. You know how the beach atmosphere is, right? You know, it's just so much fun and everything. This thing happened with this girl, and it really just woke us all up. We went to, we had, we, we, after that, we, went, we were supposed to have a meeting, so we got together. We had, I, I spoke a little bit. 
we had a time of prayer and worship and just talked and and uh, we were just so sober-minded we were just so you know so quickened and it was a horrible experience but to go through but it just it just not that we were careless but it just really added this very unique atmosphere to the to the conference that the world you know the world says take eat enjoy leave whenever you want whatever you ever hear this right we've heard this what happens in vegas stays in vegas right it doesn't stay in vegas <laughs> i was working in uh when i was working in in Hartford County at this place called um, Hartford Financial Group, and we had some we had some ladies there that were working at you know I was in I was doing investments and mortgages and financial planning and how that all happened was just a miracle. But I'm in there working with all these people that you know finished all these business schools and I just finished Bible college. I don't know how that got how that happened. You know, just doors opened and. Um, and it was going so well for me. I was doing so well. I had like you know loans closing, and it was really great. One guy asked me, he goes, "What um, what school did you finish?" And I said, "Well, I finished uh, Maryland Bible College and Seminary." <laughs> you know, I, like, I didn't want to. You finished what? A, a seminary? I said, "Yeah, I finished Bible school." And he goes, "I go, what did you finish?" He goes, "I finished Harvard." I was like, and I was doing better than him in sales, and it was just God's grace. And I'm there, and that you know. Every once in a while, you would have this group. You know how in the office you have these workers? They just take a trip somewhere in the, in the, on the weekend, go somewhere. So Friday afternoon, they all leave. They're flying to Vegas. They go down there, like these middle-aged women, and they all, they all go down there, and they have their, their, have their time or whatever, and they come back, and they look terrible. They just look like their truck went over them. I said, good time or what? <laughs> Was that a good time? And they're like, oh. And I, and I said... And I could see in their soul where they were just so destroyed. And I thought, I thought, I didn't say this to them, but I thought, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. It stays in your soul. And it goes with you wherever you go. Because it's something that's in your soul, right? And it's like, it goes with you. And so this causes emptiness. So what do we do? What do we do with this emptiness? And um, I'm a practical thinker. I grew up in a church before I came to this church. And uh, I had so much teaching, but I didn't know any practical stuff about how to deal with practical things. And, and I just, God kind of just showed me what to do with this. And the answer really is in Ephesians 3, verse 17, that there's really four things that we can do when we feel empty. And I want you to, if you're writing things down, just write this down or just remember this. I posted this on my blog this morning. Four things that we do when we are empty. And... Um, this is not the first thing, but it's like a preface. Don't try to fill it with something else. We all hate that feeling of emptiness. So we want to go to Netflix, or we want to go to the internet, we want to go to Facebook. Don't fill it with social media. Don't fill the, the, the emptiness with, with, your, um, with music or whatever we do, because that's what we call um, a substitute. And it's just substitution. Is like, it's like McDonald's food. You eat it, you feel full, but your body is not nourished. It's just, you know, I love McDonald's food um, overseas, but it doesn't nourish. And so what's the first thing we do? When we, feel, when we feel empty, this is what we do. Number one, define it. Just say, I'm empty. Okay, God, I'm empty. And I don't know what the reason is. You know, it could be one of these five reasons I mentioned. That doesn't really matter. But I'm just empty. Just say, God, I'm empty. Define it. Because if we don't define it, 
and then we become passive, right? Just don't, um, don't get passive, just act. Define it and say, okay, I'm empty, now I'm, gonna, I'm going to act. And when we feel this passivity, or when we feel this emptiness, um, if we are passive, then our soul turns into a vacuum. You know what a vacuum cleaner is, right? You know how you turn on the vacuum cleaner, it just begins to suck everything in. Because when, when we get empty, our soul turns into a vacuum, like a black hole. You ever see these movies about black holes and people trying to escape the black hole and you know, they're doing everything they can to get out of, I think Star Trek had something like that one time years ago. And Any Star Trek fans here? No? Oh, <laughs> and you're like, you know, you have this black hole and our soul can become that way, like a black hole. And it begins to suck everything in. It begins to suck all the negativity and everything that people says, because there's a law in physics that says that every empty hole has to be filled. And if there's an empty hole somewhere in nature, then it's going to get filled with either air or water, or it's going to get filled with something else. And the same thing with our soul is that if we stay in this empty mode and we don't act and we don't find, define it, our soul's going to start, start, start sucking everything in it sees with no filter, zero filter. And this is very unhealthy for our soul. It's very destructive. Because what will happen is, is that we just begin to be poisoned in our soul with just emptiness and just empty thoughts. Our mind just starts getting filled with like the devil's thinking about your life. Like, oh, you gave your life to God. What a waste. Or, you know, you're trusting God in this area of your life. What a waste. Especially when there's great disappointment in your life. You might want to get, you get empty and you start sucking everything in about all what your friends are saying, what your family and what you're saying about your life, that I made a bad decision. And so don't get passive act. That's the first thing I want to say. And this is Ephesians 3 verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the first thing. That we just got to start thinking intentionally in faith about who we are in Christ. And this is how, this is number one. It's like, okay, I'm empty, so I'm going to start thinking intentionally about who I am in faith. Okay, Christ is in me. Okay, Christ is in me. I'm in Christ. I'm positionally in Christ. And we start thinking intentionally about our circumstance. And this is where that's the first step to get us out of, out of, out of emptiness, is that, okay, I am in Christ. Christ is in me. I am saved. God has a plan for me. Here are the promises. And begin to think intentionally with your Bible about God's mind. Start thinking spiritual thoughts. Think that he never leaves nor forsakes you. And when we stay our mind on him through truth of our position in Christ and love, that's the first step. Start thinking intentionally about who you are in Christ. That's why we want to be in the word. That's why we want to be in the Bible. Because it fills our mind. And that's the first step. The second step we find is in the same verse that says, being rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. This is the second, this is the second thing. Is that, and actually I just, in those two verses I've read the second and the third. The second thing is we need to let the Holy Spirit Shed abroad the love of God in our heart in Romans 5, verse 5. This is more of a subjective experience where, where we, after we start thinking steadily, intentionally about who we are in Christ, about the promises of God, then what will happen is, is that this intentional thinking 
is going to lead our soul down the road to getting rooted and grounded in love. Like getting rooted and grounded in love. I remember one dad was telling me years ago that he had a, do- he had a very young daughter. And he would intentionally communicate to his very young daughter that he loved her very much as a dad. And as he did this, he was, he was intentionally communicating something that was true about his relationship with his daughter. And as he did that, his daughter began to get rooted and grounded in the love that, she, that her dad had for her. And so when she grew up and she became like a young lady, she wasn't a needy girl. She wasn't looking for love from other guys. She was rooted and grounded in healthy love. And we start thinking with God about who we are in Christ, and we get rooted and grounded. You ever, you ever do um, landscaping and you try to rip something out of the ground and it's really rooted and grounded in there? Yeah. And you, can, you, know, you have to get what are the, the stump grinders or whatever, and you have to dig and dig and dig and dig. Well, this is the way it needs to be with our Christianity, that we just grow deep in the love of God. The, 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 the third thing is, is that that we would be, um, that we'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean? What does that mean that we would comprehend with the saints? Well, the saints, of course, speaks about the body of Christ, where we are together with the body of Christ. And when we're in a church event or church function, when we travel somewhere, when we do something like we did overseas, we are, or when we are having our small or our midweek Bible studies that we're starting, you know, we've started to do on Wednesday nights, what happens is we begin to comprehend, we begin to understand the dimensions of God's love. Do you ever sit down with somebody in simple fellowship and you're just discussing with them about God's nature and what God's doing in your life? And you begin to comprehend like how far God's love is and how deep God's love is and how 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 high it goes. That's body life. We call that in our church body life, like life in the body of Christ, where, where I think a lot of churches don't have that. It's more like high by, it's a social event. There's no depth. There's no, there's no fellowship. There's no sharing of hearts. There's no, um, like, like no, no honesty where someone can share their heart if they're in trouble. And that's body life. That's where... This is how we fill the emptiness. This is when we get uh, established in God's thinking about who we are. And then we begin to function in the body of Christ. We begin to, and this is what we really hunger for, right? We don't, we're not really satisfied with just the social aspect, but when we, are, when we are in a place where we can be vulnerable and share with people what's happening in our life, then we discover God's love. You ever have someone say something to you in the church that's so encouraging? You know, you're like, wow, that just made my day. I'm so glad you said that. You know, this happens here. People say things to me, and you don't always realize it, but, you know, I should say it more. But people say things to me, and it's like, I think that was God speaking through that person to me. You ever have that happen to you? Have you ever had that happen to you? Mm-hmm. Where you're like talking to somebody, and God speaks to you through that person? That's That's the, that's like... That's the, that is the dimensions of God's love in the body of Christ. And fourth, and lastly, it's really important to understand that God's love is not hindered by, by what it knows about a person. Now, this is a very important point. I, wanna just, I want us to think about this for a minute. 
Because it says here, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Do you ever think about what that means, which passes knowledge? What does that mean? The love of Christ passes knowledge. What does that mean? What is Paul saying when he says that? Well, I think that sometimes when we know something about somebody, like what they did, or they fail, or an aspect of their fallen nature, we kind of hit the brakes with our love towards them. You know, we, you know, because of something we know about them. <laughs> you know, remember the woman that was, you remember the woman that was um, a prostitute and she came into the house where all the Pharisees were and Jesus was there and she became a believer and she began to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. Remember that, that scene? And remember what the Pharisees said? Like the head Pharisee of the house? He goes, if Jesus knew who this woman really was, he would not allow her to touch him at all. You know? And this is a great example. Like, of course Jesus knew who this was. He probably knew her better than all the Pharisees knew her. And Jesus allowed her to wash his feet with her hair because she was worshiping him. This is an example of how God's love goes beyond what it knows about us. Like, there are things that, you know, like Johnny prayed at the beginning, like, you know, we, God, we don't deserve, we don't deserve. And it's so true that we don't, because we know so much about ourselves. But God knows even more about you, yet he sent Christ, and yet he loves us. And this is a beautiful verse, because God's love, the love of Christ, passes knowledge. It passes knowledge about what we know about other people and what we know about ourselves. Why does it pass this? Why does it pass knowledge? Well, when God can't love sin, right? God can't love sin. He can't love uh, unholiness. But the Bible's very clear about that. So, what's the what is the fix for that? Jesus comes, pays for sin in the flesh in Romans eight, two and three, and so now He's free to love people. And when we understand that God is free to love us today because of the cross and because of our sin has been paid for, then we can, we can allow God to begin to love us. It's very possible that we experience emptiness in our life because we are blocking God's love towards us because of what we know about ourselves. Maybe I know something about myself that nobody else knows or maybe other people know. And it's like acting like a block, blockade. And I can't receive the love of God in my life. You remember, you know these people, and maybe us too, things happen in our life, we don't forgive ourselves. We just don't live in forgiveness. The God of the universe, the God who creates the entire universe, forgives all of our sins, forgives the wor- sins of the world, and yet we are in our little world can't forgive ourselves. And so we are literally blocking God. <laughs> God is omniscient, you know, he's omnipotent, Yet God won't violate our free will. And so we are limiting God's love towards us. He loves us, but we're just limiting the flow of it to us because of what we know about ourselves. And that can go on for years, decades, 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 decades. And it's so important that we learn to let God's love pass what we know about ourselves. And... This is in 1 John 3, verse 20, and I just want to close with the ver- this verse. Uh, For if our heart condemns us, and this is one of my favorite verses, if our heart condemns us, 
God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Think about that for a minute. If your heart condemns you today for something that's happened, then know this, that God is greater than your heart. (laughs) You know, God is bigger than your heart. God is bigger than how we judge ourselves and the way we limit God's love towards us. God is bigger than all of that. And he knows all things. What is this verse saying? It's saying that if God knows everything that I've ever done, everything that's happened to me today, and everything that I will do in the future that I have no idea that I'm going to do, all the mistakes in the future that I, that I might make, and yet he still loves us, that fills the emptiness that can, create, that can ca- be caused in our soul because we're blocking that love. And when we, ex- when we practice these four things, I want to review them really quick. Number one, um, what was the first thing I said? What's the first thing that we do when we feel that emptiness? <coughs> Define it and what? And then speak. Uh, yeah, act, right? Mm-hmm. So we define it, we act. Thinking intentionally. We start thinking intentionally about who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. We have to. What's number two? We need to let Holy Spirit let a broad love of God in our life. Mm-hmm. We just need to let God love us. Mm-hmm. Someone said to me, the guy who... Um, who, I don't know, even the, name, the title of the book, by a guy by the name of Kendall wrote a book about forgiveness. You guys know the title of that book? He said, forgiving ourselves and forgiving other people is a daily thing. That's number two. Allowing the love of Christ to be shed abroad in our hearts. And number three, what was number three? Yeah, we just draw near to the body of Christ. We just get around the body. We don't get, because sometimes when we feel empty, we want to get isolated and stay home and just get so discouraged even more. And then number four, what's the last thing that we, the last thing, the last point? Anyone? God's love is not hindered by what, what it knows about a person. Yeah, God's love is not hindered by what it knows about a person. God's love is not hindered by what it knows about us. It leaves knowledge by the wayside. Huh? It leaves knowledge by the wayside. Why? Because Jesus knows that that person is a sinner, but Jesus knows that he's going to pay for that person's sin. Hmm. You know? And Jesus is not worried about it. He says, yeah, of course, that person sinned, but I'm paying for their sin, so I can go minister to them. And that sets a person free from cycles in their life of emptiness and sin. I just want to finish with that, that when we begin to exercise these four points, we begin to grow, grow into something, um, we begin to experience God's fullness. I remember as a teenager reading about the abundant life. What does that mean, the abundant life? Everybody talked about the abundant life in Christ. And this is what it is right here. When we allow God to love us, to fill us, and to speak to us. And when, when that happens, then, then the emptiness is full. It gets filled, and then, we, and then our cup begins to overflow, and we have joy returns into our life. We have peace that comes back. And we understand that God is bigger than me. God is bigger than my sin. God is bigger than my unbelief. God is bigger than my doubt. And God is bigger, even bigger than anything I could ever do to take myself out of his love. Because what God has done in our life is done forever. 
Amen. So those are just some practical thoughts, and maybe that'll help us this week um, as we go about our life. So let's just close in prayer.